hearts for a miracle. Our heart longs for a little bit of hope, oh God. Oh, come, Emmanuel. A child prays for peace on earth, and she's calling out from a sea of hurt. Oh, come, oh, come,
There was blood on the ground You could hear a woman cry In the alleyway that night On the streets of David's town And the stable was not And the cobblestones were cold And little Mary full of grace With the tears upon her face Had no mother's hand to hold It was a labor of pain It was a of David's town in the middle of the night. So we held her and he prayed. Shafts of moonlight on his face. Put the baby in her womb. He was the maker of the moon. He was the
of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices
Hey, I'm so glad you've come to join us here on the Sunday before Christmas. And, and my hope and prayer is over this next little bit, you'll have a chance just to take a deep breath and to experience God's peace. I'm sure you've got a ton of things on a to-do list that have to happen this week as we kind of count down to Christmas. But this moment, this moment is when we can celebrate the birth of Christ. You know, it's, it's so crazy as we enter into times like this and, and we tend to get ourselves worked up. And, and, and I know even just our normal routine here, if you've been watching online, as I ask you to get your phones out and I say, text someone, you know, an encouragement just to think about someone. And I hope that this week that you will do that. Text someone, Merry Christmas. Text someone that you're thinking about them. But right now, put your phone away. Just, just put it away. And, and I want you to just to slow down for a moment in the midst of all that's going on, to slow down and experience Jesus right along with me. A couple of things as we kind of prepare for our time today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter two, the, the traditional, the classic Christmas passage. We're gonna read some of that today. If you go to our app or to our website, you'll be able to download a note-taking sheet, and I hope you'll do that. And one of the neat things that we've been doing all through this month is at the top of your note-taking sheet, you have a daily reading for Advent. And Advent is just a preparation for the arrival, for the coming of Christ. And I hope that you have been following along. And if you haven't, let this week be kind of that, that final build up to Christmas. And each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, read those passages. There's a passage for, for Christmas Eve that you can read from, from Matthew that's uh, kind of the, the, the story of, of the wise men and what happened then. And then on, on Christmas Day, I hope you'll read Luke chapter two in its, in its completeness and you'll see the, the very beginning of that and the birth of Christ. So follow along with us as we prepare our hearts for that. Uh, also, if you have something that you just appreciate prayer. Don't do this right now, but write this number down. You can text the word prayers to 30500. We'll be praying for you. Uh, whatever's going on, we just want to stand with you uh, during this time. Also, this is a moment in a season when it's, it's so amazing that after all that God has given us, he, he gives us the opportunity to give back to him. And so, while even in our live services, we're not able to do any passing of, of offering plates or anything like that, it doesn't change uh, the opportunity we have to give through our app, through online, you can mail it in. Uh, and this is not just about doing a duty. It's not just about, you know, jumping through some hoops or, or making sure that we follow the letter of the law. It, it's out of the kind of out of the joy of our heart, we get to give back to God. And as we come close to the end of the year, I can't think of a better time to, to begin this, this journey of being generous towards God. Just as the wise men came and brought their gifts, we are able to come to Jesus and bring our tithes and our offerings and to give back to him and to experience God's blessing and God's presence in powerful ways. So I, I'm so grateful throughout the course of this year that that you've been faithful in, in giving and responding because it's made a difference. A chance for us to reach out, a chance for us to reach out to those who are less fortunate to provide our food pantry and ministry to kids and to students and to, and to so many others. You make that possible by your generosity and by your faithfulness in giving to God. So thank you. Thank you for that.
Well, as we begin this uh, last message, really, in this Christmas series, uh, I, I remember back to the very first week, and I shared with you one of my favorite Christmas movies. And uh, it's, it's called It's a Wonderful Life. And it's a classic, black and white, Jimmy Stewart. I mean, it is just the, the classic Christi- Christmas movie. But there's another movie that's kind of right up there for me. It doesn't have quite the classic feeling of it's a wonderful life, but it's still a family favorite. And it's, it's dramatic and, and it's serious and it's touching. And it's a movie called Elf. And maybe you've seen it before. Uh, it, is, it is goofy and it's funny. It's got memorable lines that, that in our family we quote all through the year. You know, it's, uh, the four food groups are candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. I mean, there's just some crazy parts to that, and it makes me laugh every time. But there, there's this one scene that's probably my favorite. And when Buddy the Elf goes to work at the department store, and the store supervisor comes in, and he goes, okay, everybody, tomorrow, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. And Buddy the Elf just starts screaming, Santa, Santa's here, Santa. And then with all the sincerity in the world, he grabs the supervisor by the arm and he says, I know him, I, I know him. And, and there's such a, I don't know what it is. It's just his voice quiets down and it's, it's personal. It's, it's not a, uh, the stuff of legends, it's not a dream, it, it's not the way out there somewhere that maybe this exists, it's, I know him, it's, it's personal. And in this Christmas series, as we've been sharing and talking about the hope of the world, it, it's like all creation was, was gearing up for, you know, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, better than a Santa Claus. And it's the hope that we've been longing for, that we've been aching for. And here's, here's the best thing. We can know him. We can know him, really. I wonder if you think back into your life of those moments that became these indelible points uh, where there was an announcement made or a discovery that was made or news that came to you. And you'll never forget it. You'll never forget where you were and, and what was kind of going on around you and the, the date and time. Sometimes those things are, are just kind of fused within us. And you can go back generations and people have had the same thing of remembering when Pearl Harbor was bombed or remember when uh, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. I mean, there's all these things. And, and for us in later generations, we think, you know, when we heard that planes had hit the Twin Towers on 9-11, we'll never forget those moments. Um, maybe for you, when you found out you were pregnant and and the surprise of that or what that looked like and you just, you, you'll never forget that. Or, or when you got that job that you'd been hoping for or, or maybe it was like when a realtor said, hey, they accepted the offer, maybe on your first house. I mean, some of those moments just kind of stick with us, major announcements that impact our lives. And the interesting thing about those is they affect the way we live and often the changes we need to make or maybe you're even forced to make in our lives. Sometimes it's good announcements, it's, it's good news that we hear. Other times it's, it's not. It's challenging or devastating or it, it brings us to places of grief and, and pain. And, and in many of those examples, 
They, they can impact the way we see or the way we don't see hope. Well, this was the same feeling that the nation of Israel had been feeling for centuries, for, for generations. It had been prophesied again and again and again throughout the Old Testament that a savior, uh, which is just a rescuer, uh, a Messiah was going to come to restore God's kingdom and to bring peace and restoration to, to a broken world. And, and just like back then and still today, there's this waiting for good news to come, this expectation, this anticipation, not just, not just for information, not just for news, but, but literally for hope itself. This Jesus, I know him, I know him. Now around the time of Jesus' birth, uh, there were so many people who had just kind of given up. Hope was just kind of a, a far-fetched dream. Uh, we talked about in that first week, wishful thinking. It, it had kind of become that for them. Many had become calloused uh, that this was ever going to happen, that the Messiah was ever really going to come. And we know that because later on in Jesus' ministry, as Jesus was fulfilling all of this prophecy, when he was doing the miracles and he was speaking in these ways that he was the Son of God and all these things, so many people doubted him. And here he is. He finally did arrive. And yet everyone had become kind of calloused and jaded to this whole thing. But history, history is always on God's time. He's the one who set the universe into motion and he always keeps his promises. And he had promised again centuries before that he was going to send a savior to the world. All the way back even in Genesis that there was going to be one who came that was going to finally conquer evil and, and bring life. And so the waiting, waiting, and, and we know throughout the Old Testament that phrase, how long, oh Lord, how long? What, when is this finally going to come? And then God gave details through the prophets of, of the things to look for, that he was going to come from a virgin and the, from the tribe of Judah and the lineage of David, and he would be born in Bethlehem, and then finally it happened. And it happened exactly as the prophets had foretold. Good news was here. The hope of the world was about to enter the world as a baby. And so I want us to read this in, in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 8, so we're going to miss some of the first parts of that. But I, I want you just to hear this, this scene with the shepherds, okay? Starting at verse 8, it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, which you and I would be as well if angels showed up. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Probably not what they were really expecting the Savior of the world uh, to be born in or even where this was happening. But then it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, hey, let's, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now I want you to catch this last part. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now I'll tell you, that announcement went down in all of those shepherds as this indelible moment. I guarantee it. I'll tell you, when these guys were probably grandfathers later in their life, decades later, I'll bet they told that story to their grandkids. I bet people got tired of hearing the story how, hey, one night we were out in this field and you'll, you'll never believe what happened. And people around them were probably going, no, we know exactly what happened because you've told us a million times because you just couldn't keep news like that quiet. And I wonder how many times they kept up on the news of the region hearing about this teacher named Jesus and the miracles that he was doing. I wonder if they ever put two and two together of this, this rabbi who was so different and powerful that crowds would gather around him who ultimately was crucified on the cross. And then, and then the rumors began that he had risen again. And then, then crowds of people saw him after his death and crucifixion. I wonder how many of them went, that's that baby. That's the Messiah. That's the one we saw and that we worshiped. See, hope had come. Now think of how we describe hope sometimes. We, we can say that hope is confidence, hope is trust, hope is refuge, hope is safety. There are other words that can describe what the Bible refers to as hope. Because like we said a couple of weeks ago, hope is something we can have. Hope is something we can possess and grab hold of. But we also talked a couple of weeks ago that hope is not just wishful thinking. We don't put our confidence into the, the blessed wish. We don't put our trust and refuge and safety into the living wish. We put our confidence and our trust and our refuge and safety, safety into the living and the blessed hope. That's who Jesus is. So what is it about Jesus that gives us hope? I wanna give you a few things. I want you to write these down. The first is this, the presence of Jesus gives me hope. He's here. He's here. His presence gives me hope. Look back in, in Luke 2, verse 11. It says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. He arrived. He's here. It's not just something we have to keep looking for. Now, again, the shepherds had been looking for this and waiting for this their, their whole lives, and maybe even, again, a bit jaded about it. Their fathers, grandfathers, ancestors had all been waiting for the same thing. But now God shows up in human form. This was the Messiah, the one who could take away all of the hopelessness. And just knowing his presence was, was here on earth and not too far away from them was enough to, to give them this assurance. Have you ever felt like that? with anyone? Just, just the very presence of 
this person in your life gives you a, a little bit of assurance. Yeah, they're not God. They're not perfect. They, they don't have, have all of the answer. But have you ever just been around someone who just allows you to take a deep breath and know that, hey, at least you're not going to go through this uh, alone? Maybe you feel valued and safe and comforted when this person is around. Could be a parent. Could be a spouse. Could just be a close friend. It's just there. Tell you that that's a taste of the presence and assurance we have in Christ. See, I think when you love someone deeply, sometimes just their nearness changes everything. I'll tell you personally, for me, there have been several times during this this COVID year we've been in that I can think specifically of times where Gina has been this quiet, safe place for me. And of course, she's been that for me through the years. But, but just this year, I can, I can point at a couple of times. There was a time back in June when I was so overwhelmed by the pandemic and the guidance from the county and the state and possible openings and then shutdowns and then the racial unrest that, that came and then people's frustration uh, around all of these things bubbling over. And I, we sat on the couch one night and I had shared my, my message with Gina that I was supposed to videotape that day. And I had canceled the filming of that and I just felt defeated. I felt low, I felt worn out. I felt like I, 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 don't, I don't know how to navigate through all of this. And maybe you've felt the same way at moments during this year where you're just like, I, I've had enough. And I was at that point. And I'll never forget, Gina just, she held my hand and she listened and she spoke words of faith to me and words of encouragement to me. And just her presence there meant so, so much to me. Then a little bit later in uh, August of this past year when my mom had passed and my mom had asked me several years earlier if I would um, do her, her memorial service. And I remember at the time saying, well, of course, of course, mom, I, I would, I'd be honored to do that for you. Until I was in the moment. Until I know I'm going to have to stand up in front of people and share about my mom that I've just lost. And, and I, was, I was really battling that. And Gina told me, she said, you know, it's okay not to be a pastor right now. It's, it's okay just for you to be a son who lost his mom. And I'm so grateful for her, her presence and her empathy and her wisdom and her guidance that were so powerful to me in, in those moments through this past year. And there have been so many others. And you know what? Gina's not perfect. I'm not perfect. In fact, we say it all the time. We are two imperfect people choosing to love and trust and share. But her presence and her care have brought so much healing to me. Well, do you know what's amazing about the, the Christmas story? Is that Jesus came and it's all personal. It's not distant and informational. It is up close and, and intimate. Think about this, what we just read. When, when Christ came, the angels showed up in person. They didn't send a document. They didn't 
you know, uh, film or, or play a public service announcement to make sure the information got out. They showed up in person and they delivered the message of all messages, the announcement of all announcements that's ever been brought from God to earth. How honored those angels must have felt to go and to share the good news that the king of all kings, the prince of peace, the long-awaited Messiah, the savior of humanity, the son of the living God has just been born in this little backwater town called Bethlehem. And the very announcement of his arrival, even before the shepherds had laid eyes on him, brought a sense of peace, peace and almost like a breath of fresh air to their souls. Because the presence of Jesus brings hope. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said this, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, if you read the whole context of that, it's actually involving conflict and different things that are going on. But just this very promise that, hey, when you come together, I'm with you. Now, don't mistake that to mean that when we're by ourselves, he's not with us. He is with us always. But there's something unique that happens when we gather together. And you need to know that he is here. Write this down for the second one. The faithfulness of Jesus gives me hope. His presence brings me hope. But his faithfulness, that he's trustworthy, it gives me hope. Now I want you to think for a moment of all the promises that you've heard that you don't believe anymore right? Things that we've heard growing up. And and I know we've all had a lot of promises given to us and not everyone's a great promise keeper. Um, We just hear promise after promise, especially in an election year, right? We've heard so many things, but we get a little jaded and most of the things just don't ring true anymore. Think of these things like statements like, this won't hurt a bit. And as soon as you hear that, you know, this is going to hurt a lot. Or, I promise I'll pay you back. And it's like, uh huh, we've all heard that before. Or, have you ever been on the receiving end of this? Really, it's, it's me, not you. It's like, uh huh. <laughs> or or the, the infomercials that we've seen lose weight eating anything you want. And we're thinking, it doesn't work that way. You can't make that promise. Oh, or uh, grow your hair back fast. Now, that one's not flying, right? Maybe it's actually grow your back hair. Maybe that's really what that means. Or I remember in school, uh, in college, people saying, there's no stupid questions. It's like, I've been in class when there have been some really stupid questions asked. So there are stupid questions. Or how about this? Get rich overnight without working. We've heard some of these things so many times, and we've become so accustomed to people breaking their promises that we become cynical. And every time someone says, I promise, we think, mm, okay, well, well, we'll see. And then Jesus comes along and he makes promises to us. Our Heavenly Father has made promises all through Scripture and says, I am faithful. Because he can't be anything but faithful. It's simply who he is. He's a God and a father of honor and character and integrity. And when he says something, we can count on it. And he's been proven right and proven faithful over and over and over again all throughout history. In fact, hundreds of years before 
Jesus even came, God had promised the coming of his son. I want to read you this passage from a small Old Testament book called Micah. And it says this, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village in Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past, and the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the time when the woman in labor gives birth to her son. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored all around the world, and he will be the source of our peace. Fast forward to the angels speaking to the shepherds, and they were seeing centuries of promises come true in this one night. And our hope comes when we realize that, the, that since all the promises in the past are true, the future promises we can count on as well. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back for his church, for his people, for his followers. And we can count on that. What other promises does he make? He promises peace that passes all understanding. He says, I will never leave you or abandon you. He says, I have for you a hope and a future. He says, I will lead you and guide you into truth. Over 1,200 promises in the Bible. And God says, I'm trustworthy. The question is, do you believe him? Let me ask that again because it really comes down to that critical question. Do you believe the trustworthiness, the faithfulness, and the promises of God? Write this down for the last one. Life in Jesus brings me hope. His presence brings me hope. His faithfulness brings me hope. But life in him is full of hope. I'm going to read you a couple passages, one from John 3 and one from John 10. And you may have heard these before, but, but, but catch some of the nuances of this. John 3 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Life. God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. He's come to bring us life. John 10.10, Jesus said, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal, what? Life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. The reason for Jesus' coming was to restore us in relationship to the Father and to bring us life. Simple verses, and yet the implications are huge. He gives us hope in new life. Well, as we close, let me, let me just kind of highlight that a little bit, because what does this new life really bring? And this, this isn't on your sheet, so, so don't worry about it, but I, I think of a, of a few things. One is this new life brings us peace, peace of heart and peace of mind. Go back to Luke 2, verse 14. Uh, Glory to God in highest heaven. Angels, right? Shouting this, singing this, bringing the chorus together. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now in the Old Testament, the word for peace is shalom. And I shared with you about this in our last series uh, called Pray Like This. If you missed that, go back and watch it. But anytime there was a greeting, instead of saying hello or how are you, they would simply say shalom. And when they would part company, they would say shalom, which is this peace to you. 
And the essence of shalom means a completeness or a wholeness, not just the absence of conflict. And a person could receive peace or bestow peace. Someone could bring shalom, bring peace, or they could make shalom, they could make peace. And the announcement of his birth from the angels to the shepherds was that peace, was that shalom, was that the completeness is, is, is here. That Christ has come and he brought peace because he is peace. Let's read that last of the major announcement given in that verse again. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth. Do you know what else this, this new life in him will bring? A desire to share this good news. Look at verse 17 in Luke 2. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. When we realize, and I mean like truly grasp somewhere deeper in us that Jesus is the only hope of, for us and for others and the world, I don't know how we keep that quiet. And this is not some program, okay, here's the list of things that I have to do. There's just something like, how do you not tell someone that? Have you ever been to a really good restaurant? And maybe it's a little hole in the wall. Maybe, maybe no one knows about it. And you have this dish there and it's one of those where you just go, oh, that was amazing. And so when you're talking with some people, you go, hey, 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 you got to go to this place. I mean, and this it's crazy good. Or if you've seen a movie or if you've been to a show or whatever it might be, sometimes we come across these little things and we go, oh, you got to see this. You got to taste this. You got to try this. You got to watch this. I mean, there are those things we just can't keep to ourselves. Well, what about the best news of all that there's hope, there's freedom, there's, there's life for us? It should just kind of bubble out of us. And, and I don't say should with some kind of finger wagging, like if you're not, you know, it, it's not that, but man, do we really understand what Christ has done for us and who he is to us and the invitation that he's given? How can we keep quiet about that? He's made us brand new. And just like the shepherds, it could just be one of those uncontainable things for us. And a final reality of this new life is, is not just that we experience peace and not just this desire to share, but it should alter the way our heart approaches God. We call that, that worship. And it's more than just music. We often assign it to a, a certain you know, uh, artistic endeavor, right? We're going to have our worship time, which generally means singing and, and music. But worship is not just that. It is that, or can be that. But it's more than that. Look at what it says in Luke 2.20. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. And because they had seen the child just as the angel had said. See, it's, it's anything we do that brings glory and honor and recognition to God. We've spent these last three weekends talking about how we have an eternal and everlasting hope and future because of Jesus. That should give us reason to glorify and praise God. And there are countless ways to do that, right? Yes, singing, yes, music, but also reading scripture 
and praying and even serving others, giving of our, our time and our resources and our, and our talents. Even quiet moments become these opportunities for worship because he desires worship from the heart. The Bible even tells us that. that he desires worshipers who come with, in spirit and in truth to magnify and glorify him. So here's my question as we end this time and head towards Christmas. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to the Savior's coming? See, we're just a few days away from the day, that, that Christmas day, and I believe Jesus is, is whispering to every one of us in this 2020 Christmas season, and he's saying, come close. Experience hope and peace. Come and worship. Place your hope in me because I am the hope of the world. And I'll tell you this today, personally for me, Jesus is here and I know him. I know him and you can too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that you have come and you have come close and personal and you invite us to lean into you. You haven't invited us into a religion. You haven't invited us to uh, a code of conduct. You've invited us into a relationship. And we thank you, Lord, that in that we find a living hope and we find true life, new life in you. And Father, I, I pray today because of your gift to us of your son, that we'd experience your peace in the deepest part of our souls and, and that that would kind of bubble up and that we just, we couldn't keep quiet about sharing that, that you're the hope that we have and you're the one who set us free and you're, you're the one who loves us more than we can imagine. I pray that we would share that and Lord, it would, it would be worship to us to glorify you and to praise you for who you are and for what you've done. So we thank you. We thank you for this Christmas time and this Christmas season. I pray that we would carry it throughout this coming year. And Lord, for each person who's listening or watching or engaging with this, I pray, Lord, your blessings on them this Christmas season. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being part of this today and joining in for this Christmas service. I want to let you go by speaking these words of blessing over you. Let us go from here proclaiming that we have seen the glory of God, believing that there is a light that shines in the darkness, which the darkness will not overcome. And may the love of the Father, the joy of the Spirit, and the peace of Christ be with you this Christmas. Have a great Christmas week. I'm praying for you, and I pray that you experience God's hope and peace.